o'clock. Let's get started. On to you, Mr. Kilroy. Okay, Andy, let, let me give an introduction here and then we'll get down to business. So uh, welcome to the webinar, Andy's Welding Solutions for the Aftermarket Performance and Motorsports Enthusiasts, organized by Miller Electric. We have with us Andy Weinberg, Aftermarket Performance Motorsports Manager. And as, as part of my introduction, uh, Mo Miller Electric is involved in a lot of different industries. And I just want to say that I'm grateful that, that Miller is involved in the racing business as active as they are. It's hard for us to imagine a racing trade show, going back a long time for me, uh, a racing trade show without Miller. I can't imagine it anymore. Uh, and, and it's hard for us to imagine uh, online race industry week without Miller. Just uh, great products that you see all the time in race shops. I mean, there's always that blue equipment somewhere in the race shop. You see it pretty soon. And, uh, and then it just seems that Miller never stops attempting to educate welders, whether it's new welders or even veteran welders that need to know some new tricks. You, you go by a Miller exhibit and they're spending time educating, which is really cool. And it's a big deal for us at EPAR Trade and Race to have Miller as a presenting sponsor. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> of online racing this week. So thank you for that. Uh, welding is in racing is a real craft. When you watch someone who's good at it and you see the results, which is really fun, you really see craftsmanship of the highest order. And, and I love that. The thing about racing, it has to be technically correct because the weld ultimately relates to keeping the driver safe. And somebody could say it's not brain surgery, but well, you know what? A life is on the line. Uh, and when you go to the ePartrade uh, showcase for Miller, which is a great showcase with new products, popular products, technical videos, technical papers, you know, go on and search out uh, Miller and go to the showcase. And here's how Miller describes themselves. Uh, Miller is about building things that matter. We lead the welding industry in building advanced solution-focused products and meeting crucial needs for welding, health, safety, and health. We're about the partnership and the work. Our products are designed with our users for manufacturing, fabrication, construction, aviation, motorsports, education, agriculture, and marine applications. And so, Andy, before we get down to welding, tell us about Miller. Is this a great company? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, well, I've, I've actually worked there for, oh my gosh, it's going to come up on 31 years. So uh, that... That in itself is a testament to how good a company it is. Most of the people who start working with Miller, they spend a career there. Um, yeah. It's they're very family oriented. Um, you know, they're very, you know, they're conservative, but at the same time, they're innovative. You know, they they want to make sure that we put out the right products at the right time. You know, and at the same time too, we're always striving to make the products easier to learn to use more more intuitive um also even you know for the beginners you know you mentioned earlier thus you know we try and strive to train people you know when people come in our booths we spend the extra time to you know get them comfortable and actually learn some of the welding and and our, our machines are now getting easier even for the beginners to even jump into welding so people who normally would be maybe apprehensive about it they, they can now take that step a lot more comfortably. And the, where, where does racing fit into the picture at Miller Electric? It just seems to be racing is prominent. You, you go to the website and, and Miller seems to use racing to help brand Miller with other industries. Where, where does racing fit in? Yeah, we, we love racing. Um, you know, for me, I grew up racing, um, you know, but at the same time, I, I kind of fell into this position. Uh, I'm pretty much one of the only people at the company that speaks race, you know, so it's, it's, it's a different language, right? It's a, there. Different, it's a different type of fabricating. It's, you know, you, you have to know what component actually is being used for on the race car. So you can suggest the right material or the right filler metal or, you know, that type of application. So, so I kind of fell into it, but for, for us, Miller is the epitome of performance now. And for us, that's what our machines are. Our, we have, a full line of performing welding machines. And, and the neat thing about us as a company is we don't create something special for a race team, even though they have special needs. 
our machines are the same machines that you can go out to a regular distributor and buy right off the shelf that the race teams have. So, you know, it's not it's not something that's being made or created or special programming just because they're doing some some more exotic materials, but it's it's basically the same machine that you you can get right off the shelf. So, so we love the fact that the racing industry needs reliability, they need quality and they need performance. And, and we feel that our, if, you know, outside of painting a number on the side of our welding machine, we feel that our, our welders are racers. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And what forms of motorsports do you get to work in? Oh my gosh. Uh, I, you know, if it got wheels on it, somebody's going to race it. And I, I work in, everything from off-road. Uh, again, the majority of the stuff I do is probably in that stock car circle track market, just, just because the numbers are there. It's just, you know, we, we prioritize our involvement based on how they are positioned in the market. There's so many segments of motorsports, but I have IndyCar teams. I've have, I have NASCAR teams, drag racing teams. I have monster trucks. I have, uh, I, I don't know where it ends, unfortunately. Uh, I do road racing. I, you know, for the most part, I'm sometimes, there's, there are years I'm in the desert at the King of the Hammers, and then a couple of weeks later I'm down in Daytona. So it's it's a it's a little bit of everything, and and that's great because, you know, we have products that fit each one of those segments, you know, and you know, there is not one machine that fits everything. You know, we have some machines that are doing a pretty good job of getting there, but there are some segments of motorsports, you know, again, like the monster truck industry, right? There, there's thicker materials, you know, and so they need some higher amperages and higher duty cycles. So, you know, but outside of that, a lot of the other segments can use a lot of the same types of, of products that we make. So, but yeah, it's, it's fun for me because I get to see it all. I grew up circle track racing, but um, I, I love, I love it all. <laughs> so I'm just a horsepower junkie, I guess. You know, uh, so many of us walk around in the, in the pits and other places, and, and as we talk, we're working, but we'll say, yeah, I'm having fun. So, I mean, there are moments in this industry, you don't know if you're working or having fun, which is really a, a yeah. great place to be. Exactly. And so you're still doing a lot of welding, just to be clear, you're still doing a lot of welding? Yeah, I, I grew up welding in my dad's welding business, and then um, I, uh, I thought I knew better. I didn't want to take over the family business, so I joined the Army. And uh, and then took my college money, went to school for electromechanical, and and then uh, darned if I didn't get a job at a welding company. Uh, but I do, I do, I did it because I needed to do it, and that's usually what most racers end up doing in this industry. Yeah. Is it's a it's a need, it's a, a means to an end. They they need to use the welder, might not be their favorite tool, but it it's a means to an end to get them to the racetrack, right? And, and I still do a lot of welding. I build a lot of cars. I don't race really much anymore. Um, I've got a couple of car owner friends that I can borrow cars from when I need to, but ultimately I build more um, performance street vehicles, pro touring cars, track cars. The car behind me is gonna be a, it's a 69 Trans Am that's getting fully pro toured with off racing suspension. Cool. So we'll, we'll, be, um, we'll be taking that to track days and you know, beating the snot out of it. So yeah, I still do a lot of welding, um, just, just not, as, not as much on the manufacturing side. I used to build chassis, uh, but uh, just you know, now I'm kind of doing it more for fun. Cool. And then uh, what was one of your, your most difficult weld jobs? Is there a weld job you wanna talk about that, that really pushed you? There's 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 got to be a lot of those that are difficult, but you know I mentioned King of the Hammers. That's probably one of my worst weld jobs. We we sponsored that e event for a few years, and we used to bring a a big like four bay tent that we set up out in the desert, and we, it, we allowed the racers to come in. We would do weld repairs. It was like a mobile garage, right? A mobile fab shop, and. Uh, during after one of the practices, one guy rolled, you know, rolled rolled his truck in there, and he hit the bottom of a rock. He hit a rock so hard it broke the skid pan off the vehicle, and it punctured the cast aluminum oil pan that was on the LS motor that was in the car, so or in the vehicle, and so it's still full of oil. You know, and I had to weld that thing upside down in in the 
sand and dirt and make a patch to fit over it. Again, there's still oil in this thing and oil and welding don't mix. And so trying to clean it as best you can to get this guy right, you know, back on, on at the event and basically made a big aluminum bandaid and welded it all around upside down and damned if it didn't hold and he finished the event. So I, I would have to say that's probably one of my hardest ones. That's a pretty radical event, and it puts a lot of pressure uh, on the weld, I assume, because those cars bounce around. Uh, King of the Hammers has come up a couple times this week. We had the director of the King of the Hammers event uh, here oh, yeah? in a panel discussion. And I want to tell everybody, if you haven't heard about the King of the Hammers, look it up and, and watch a YouTube video about King of the Hammers. I mean, they, they put the, the trucks, they just put them through the ring in all the different vehicles. I mean, it's wild. Yeah, uh, it's it's barely managed chaos. It's 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 amazing. Uh, somebody referred to it as uh, the Burning Man event for uh, motorsports. <laughs> yeah, it is in that area, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I also want to say you can ask questions of Andy. So yeah. go down to the, the bottom of your Zoom screen. There's a chat option, and just kind of go in there and write out any questions. I'll keep an eye on it and we'll, we'll put your questions to Andy. Uh, Miller makes a lot of different welding machines, and I know that can be difficult to decide on what product fits your needs the best. And this is a big question, Andy, but I'm sure you get asked this. What's the best way to determine which welder is right for me? Uh, okay, that's that's an excellent question, and we and you're right, we get it all the time. And again, it's probably going to be based on um, the first thing is what kind of power supply can you give the welder? Is this in your home shop? Is it 120 volts or 240 volt power? That's the first thing I'm going to ask somebody. And then that puts me in the category of machine that they're going to need. Uh, are you going to be using as a hobby? Is this a production machine? That's going to tell me how long you're going to be welding and the duty cycles of the machine. So. Uh, you know, those two questions are going to be critical. Then I would put you into what is your experience and what type of machine do you looking for? Are you looking for just a MIG welder where you can just pull the trigger and start welding? Do you need something that's TIG based where it's a lot more precision? There's a lot more operator involvement there. Uh, so those things will also point me into the right direction of what products that we make, um, which, which is an, another good reason to um, analyze what you, how you want to pick your machine is too, is, is cost, right? Everybody's got a budget. And, and again, I think welding machines are kind of like shoes. We make a pair that fit everybody. You know, there's not one pair of machine of shoes that'll fit everybody, but we're getting close to making welders that fit a much broader footprint. And, um, one of the products that I think that is really moved up into the top five of my list of machines that Miller makes is the newer, it's a, well, it was made a couple of years ago or maybe about a year, year and a half ago is the Multimatic 220 ACDC. So that machine, it MIG welds, it TIG welds, it stick welds, you know, AC for your aluminum and your DC for your steel. So it, it right now it's, it's the best all around machine, you know, that doesn't break the bank for this industry. I mean, when you look at this industry, you know, we're, we're typically not welding three eighths thick steel, right? Or, you know, um, uh, it's, it's more of that. I mean, realistically, every, most of the chassis on these race cars are eighth inch and under material. You know, you got eighth inch frame rails, you know, you got 083, 065, you know, there's a lot of that smaller type tubing. And then you get some of the exotic metals if you wanna get into, you know, if you're getting into titanium, things like that, this, you know, maybe you're a drag guy, and you're making some, you know, you're making some titanium wheelie bars or, you know, something that's more, you know, lightweight like that, you know, this machine can still accommodate that as well. Uh, I actually have one in my shop and I, I, I have literally took all the rest of my machines out of my shop and just put this one machine in there. And, and repeat the name of it again. It's called the Multimatic 220 ACDC. And I have a number of cameras set up so I can switch. I can switch cameras and show you different things. I, um, oh. I have a weld camera set up so I can do some live shots. Um, I, have, uh, I have the camera actually sitting on the machine. So this is what it looks like. It's, it's quite small. It's not, um, you know, it's not large at all. It runs on 120 and 240 volt input power. 
uh, it, it has the ability to run a spool gun if you want to put a spool gun on it. Um, the, the package is the machine right here. This, this little package does, does everything that I need to do in this market. And uh, it's just amazing that you can fit 200 amps of power in this little box. And it does MIG welding, stick welding, and TIG welding, both AC and DC. So, uh, you know, the neat thing about it is with this, op with the optional cart, I have two gas cylinder bottles on it. So I can do all those processes without even switching my gas bottles. Everything is there. There's two gas solenoids on the back of the machine. So it feeds all the gas it needs to the machine. All, all the machine does is pick which bottle to pull gas off of, depending upon what process you're using. So it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty impressive, especially with the amount of power that it has. Um, I would say, I would say, you know, unless you're a manufacturer and you're running high duty cycles, you know, you know, and I don't weld cylinder heads and stuff like that anymore. So I got my, my big dynasty machines, they're in storage. You know, I don't, I don't even use those anymore right now. You know, this machine does everything I can need to do in this industry. Um, you know, we've got them at Hendrick Motorsports building cars. They love it because they, that one machine takes the place of two. You know, they would have a TIG machine and a MIG machine on a plate where they're building a car, and now they have one. So, yeah, That's definitely cool. much better. Yeah. And, and uh, I guess, is that your favorite welder, or is there, is there another uh, uh, welder that uh, you favor? Well, I'm probably, I'm a, I'm a Dynasty guy. I'm a TIG guy, and I love, I still love the Dynasty. The Dynasty is the Lamborghini of welders. I mean, I, you know, you're not going to find anything better. Uh, it it has a lot of options, different waveform capabilities, pulsing capabilities. It's, you know, but again, in this market, like I said earlier, this little machine has moved up into the top five of the machines that that Miller has ever made, and and it's all I need in this shop. And I had to have a hard conversation with myself: was do, do I really need this dynasty here, even though it's the love of my life? You know, no, I I don't, and it's taking up room. I don't have a very large shop, you know, and so this machine solved some of those problems for me. I now I I literally got rid of two machines and just have one. So yeah, it's definitely the way to go. And the other thing I love about it is it's ease of use. Um, we, this machine is very uh, easily suited for the beginner welder and also the more advanced guy who wants some of those extra features. Um, you know, one of those features that I love about this machine, I talked to you about all the different processes it does. It does MIG and TIG. One of the processes, the, the things that it does is it has a feature called Quick Tech. And what Quick Tech does, I'm gonna bring over that machine camera again. What Quick Tech will do is it will automatically switch from the MIG process to the TIG process, depending upon what trigger you push. So right now the machine is set up for MIG. If I go and step on the foot pedal for the TIG, look it, it switches over automatically. So I don't have to even go back to the welding machine to make some changes to it. It remembers all my last settings that I was TIG welding at. You know, and if I pull the TIG, if I pull the MIG gun and pull the trigger on that, it'll automatically switch back to the MIG process. And I don't have to wait for the machine to to be changed over. I can, if I'm, uh, you know, here's one thing that might be a good practical application for you is, you know, sometimes when I'm putting a roll cage in the car, you know, in your, and if I'm TIG welding it, you know, a lot of times you, you're trying to hold this, you're trying to tack it into place. It's, it's pretty difficult, but, you know, now I can literally take, I can literally take a, the MIG gun put a little spot tack on it and then pick up the TIG torch and step on the pedal and start welding, you know, and it's, it's seamless. I don't have, I don't have to go back to the machine. I don't have to crawl out from under the car. And um, it just makes, it makes it a lot easier for me. And uh, um, I can actually do, I can actually do a sample if you want to see it. 
Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I'll do that. Yeah. And this is all live, folks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is, <laughs> yeah. You can see me screw up live right here. Yeah. Let's hope not. No, you, you're sure you'll be fine. Oh, oh, don't be that sure. <laughs> I've screwed up easier things. So I'm just going to take these two pieces of metal and I'm just going to tack them together first. And uh, let me put the weld cam on. Uh, this is the first time I'm doing this through Zoom. So if this works out, it'll be awesome. Another first for Online Race Industry Week. Yeah, there you go. Let's see if I can get it positioned where you can see it. Kids, don't try this at home. Exactly. All right, so I'm just going to take this and tack it first with the MIG gun. So here's my MIG gun. I'm just going to tack it. All right. Now I'm going to take my TIG torch. I'm not even going back to the machine. Got to grab a piece of filler metal. I don't know if you can see that, but yeah, well, we can see the light. So it's kind of a metering according to the light, but we'll see it afterwards. There we go. Oh, wow. Nicely done. Okay, so there's a post flow gas coming out of the torch after your TIG welding. So that that helps cool the helps cool the cool the weld puddle and cool your tungsten. So so that was basically, I didn't even have to get up off the machine to do any of that. So the other cool thing about the machine is, is it has what's called auto set. So for my beginners, I love telling them how to use auto set because auto set, and I'm going to switch it over to the MIG, auto set is, is an easy way to, to get the machine in the proper weld parameters for a particular thickness of material. So if you look at what I have set up right now, I'm using 024 wire because I was welding some wheel tubs in last with this. So I have the smaller wire in, you know, and all I need to do instead of, instead of deciding what voltage and wire feed speed I need to set the machine at, all I'm gonna do is tell the machine what my material thickness is. And I'm just gonna select that. So if I'm welding eighth inch, the machine puts you in a right window. If I'm welding, 316th again it jumps you up to these other settings now if i you know it can i can go all the way down to basic real thin sheet metal this is 22 gauge there's 24 gauge but the other neat thing about this auto set is it gives you a window that i can adjust in so if i want to fine tune my weld i can still do that with without getting outside of a weldable condition Okay, now if, if I want to turn the auto set off, now I have full range of my voltage and wire feed speed, you know, kind of like more of the professional welders want to do. They want to, they want to have full range of that. But for my beginners, turn that auto set on, puts you in that right range. And now you can also learn about what voltage ranges are proper for that material thickness. So eventually you may not use auto set, but you know, I, I would consider myself a, a professional. I weld a lot, but I still use auto set. It's just, it's easy. Um, I don't know what else to say. It is just easy. Um, and the only time that I probably don't use auto set too much sometimes is, is when you get into the TIG welding, which again, there and again is another, another thing I love about this machine is it has auto set in every process. So if I'm TIG welding aluminum, which I'm just changing the machine over to that, turn my auto set on. Again, I'm just going to tell it what tungsten is in my, my TIG torch and then just pick my material thickness again. And it puts me in that amperage range that'll fit that material thickness. So if I want to do some more of the advanced settings of the machine though, because the auto set is designed more for the beginner, 
I need to turn that auto set off. Now it's going to give me two extra settings that I can adjust. One is going to be the frequency of the AC. The frequency focuses the arc. It makes the arc tighter or wider. Okay, now I can adjust that manually. And the other one is the balance control. The balance control adjusts the cleaning area of the weld. And I'll show you what that looks like. So the cleaning area The cleaning area, have you ever seen aluminum and it has that white etching area next to the weld bead? Yes. That white etching is the cleaning zone. Now this one looks pretty good, you know. Um, this was just this was just a sample weld I did to see if the machine was you know, gonna work. And that etching is fairly tight up to the weld bead. Now, in some cases, you'll see that white etching zone is way out to the side of the weld. And that that's a waste of energy for one, but also aesthetically, it's not as pleasing either. You know, so, you know, this is, this is like an expansion tank, like we'll make for some of the race cars. You know, so you yeah. can see the welds on there, that white etching area, it's it's right up to the weld puddle. So it, it looks a lot nicer. Uh, if you're doing anything like anodizing afterwards, you know, you don't have that post weld cleanup, you know, where you have to brush that stuff off. So it, it works a lot better, you know, if you can adjust that. Uh, this is a power steering reservoir tank that we build. Um, I'm going to put this actually in the uh, in the beast behind me. This is going to be mounted. I make a lot of my own custom tanks because, you know, this is going to fit in that front bay bar that goes down uh, uh, right in front of the the front suspension. You know, that ties into the a post of the of the center section of the car. So this will fit inside that bay bar and it takes up very little room. So, you know, for those people who want to start making some custom parts for your cars and for your race cars and stuff like that, this machine can handle all of that. You know, again, with 200 amps of power, you're, you know, you've got enough power there. You know, I'd say quarter inch on aluminum is going to be about max. You know, and again, you're not going to be welding quarter inch aluminum for a long period of time. It's not designed for welding quarter inch all day long. You know, so I would say this this would be something where, you know, if you had to if you had to weld quarter inch, you know, it'll easily weld you know six eight inches a quarter inch for whatever project you're building. But if you're in a manufacturing environment, you need to jump up into a machine that is built for higher duty cycles and probably has a water-cooled torch. This torch is not water-cooled, it's air-cooled. You know, that argon gas coming through the torch is what cools it. So, you know, your hand is gonna start getting uncomfortable <laughs> if you're welding quarter-inch aluminum with this machine. So, but uh, anyway, uh, if... Uh, I had another question. Uh, yeah. uh, what is the model name again of the machine? Um, it's, uh, it's a multi-process machine. It's called the Multimatic. So a lot of people are familiar with the Millermatics. The Millermatic right, right, yeah. machines, yeah, they've been around since the, you know, since the 70s, 80s, right? So the, the Multimatic is a multi-process welder. This is the Multimatic 220 which is the amperage capability, 220 ACDC. So we do make a Multimatic 215, but it's not ACDC, it's only DC. So it does TIG weld, but it only TIG welds your steel, stainless steel, you know, all your DC applications. If you're looking to do any aluminum or magnesium, you need that AC capability. And that's where this machine's gonna, gonna fill that gap. So the 220 ACDC, yeah, Multimatic. That's, uh, you know, and, and I mean, truthfully, the if you're going to buy, if you're in the market for a TIG machine, TIG machines are expensive. They're more expensive than MIG machines. You cannot buy a TIG machine and a MIG machine for what you can get in that machine for. It's, it's cheaper as one machine, which, which is, you know, again, I, uh, it's, 
it's phenomenal. I don't know why every school doesn't have it. I mean, that's really, every school should have that machine. It, it's really the answer for that kind of, a, of an area, especially again, they have smaller spaces. They don't have, um, you know, you have one machine that does all the processes that they wanna teach. So uh, yeah, definitely a killer. Uh, it's also got an inverter engine. So again, it's lightweight. Uh, you know, that machine's easily portable. It's got a handle in the middle. I can pick it up with one hand. Uh, it also has two handles on the side. So, you know, whatever you're most comfortable with. Uh, the other cool thing about it is with this inverter engine, it'll run off a generator. So if you're one of those guys that, that likes to be prepared at the racetrack and you unload your whole garage every time you go to the racetrack, this thing will run off your generator. So, yeah, very power efficient. That's great. You know, for uh, Online Race Industry Week, our, our uh, goal was to provide a trade show experience because the trade shows were sensibly canceled this year. And if, if somebody wasn't aware of that piece of equipment from Miller, they just got surprised. And I think surprise is really a big part of the trade show experience. It's going to a trade show, seeing something that you weren't expecting to see and kind of having that happy moment of shock. So, so thank you for picking that equipment out, especially for us and for the racing industry, because uh, I, I think it's winning over a lot of people right now. Yeah, it, it's one of the, my favorite pieces. Uh, I don't I don't know if you can I don't know. I, I don't know if you can get into a TIG machine and a MIG machine and especially be this comfortable with it. This machine really works you through it. It's easy to set. Um, you know, the quick tech makes it, it's, you know, it almost makes me lazy. I don't even have to get off my chair to go back and turn the machine <laughs> to a different process. So, you know, I hate to say that, but, you know, I, I wouldn't call it idiot proof, but uh, it's definitely Andy proof. So yeah. it's good. <laughs> Very good. And then again, talk about this idea of a trade show experience. You have a showcase on ePart Trade, which is kind of like a, the exhibit of a trade show. What are you introducing kind of in your trade show exhibit this year, if you will, for 2021? Are there new things at Miller we should know about? Um, well, I think the, I think we're still, we're still working with this product. The, the Multimatic 220 is probably still going to be one of our core, our core products. Um, the market is starting to understand the multi-process machines better. Um, there's been, there's been this, this, this area where people are pigeon-toed into MIG machine, TIG machine, stick machine. That's and in their head when they say, "Well, I need a MIG machine," and they go look for a MIG machine, you know. And so they don't even see this product in that particular page of our website or in the catalog or you know online. You know, if you're searching MIG machine, that's what comes up. I believe that this machine is underexposed because it's it's an awesome MIG machine, you know, and it's for the cost, you could get this machine. And even if you have aspirations of getting into TIG later on, this is still gonna be the most reasonable way to get into that and learn the TIG process as you go. So I think we're right now, we're, we're concentrating on this product. Uh, we also have some newer offerings of the Millermatic line. Uh, we have the Millermatic 255, which will be, uh, which is basically a higher end, more capable, has more features than the Millermatic 252. Um, we we also made that same product in a Multimatic version, so it's a Multimatic 255, but it doesn't do AC, it just does DC TIG and MIG. Um, but the other cool thing for you guys who like MIG welding and and um, understand pulse mig. Pulse mig is a process that it's not necessarily new, but it was usually relegated to the industrial segments. You know, now that 255 is a real cost-effective answer for people who want to get into pulse mig and even pulse migging aluminum. It's uh, it's actually outstanding. Um, we did some live stream presentations on it a couple of months back, and uh, I pulse migged stainless steel that was only 18 gauge thick and uh and that's that's very hard to do with a regular mig machine 
you know, because it's so hot. But pulse MIG pulses the amperage high and low and high and low really, really fast so that it doesn't put too much heat into the weld. So, but those are probably, I would say, our, our newest pieces. Okay. And then uh, when it comes to welding and everything you've seen, you've been at it in the racing industry for a long time. Are there kind of classic mistakes that you see people making as they're welding in, in, in uh, for a race team? Uh, yeah, I see. I see a lot of mistakes. Sometimes it's sometimes it's things that are um, they've done it unconsciously. Uh, they may have changed the role of wire in the machine and because they're welding something thinner and they went from an 030 to a 24, but they forgot to change the consumables in their gun. The consumables are sized for the wire that they're using. So they have to be matched in order to have the proper contact on the wire. Uh, the other most common thing I see too is the contact tips are loose. The, the Every heat cycle you put this thing through it has the potential to possibly loosen the tip up. So periodically you should tighten your tips. Uh, and even the connection points, if you have a machine that has the older screw on lugs, you know, those can loosen up over time as well as the ground clamp. Your ground clamp is another area that I find people, they don't pay attention to it. And usually the bolt on the ground clamp that holds the cable on is loose. So I the, the, the only way I can get these people to understand that is to say, go out to your car, pop the hood and loosen up your battery cables and see how long it, you know, it, you, you can actually keep starting your car with loose battery cables. And a welding machine needs to jump up when you start the arc, a welding machine has to jump up to two, three, 400 amps of power just to start welding. And if your cables are loose, you're gonna have really poor arc starts. You know, the welds aren't gonna look as good, especially when they start getting hot. You know, you're gonna start losing some of that weld quality. The other thing I find in my TIG welding guys is they, um, a lot of guys don't brush or clean their material when they when they're going to start welding so on aluminum that's critical too because uh let me switch camera it might be better look on this other one um uh, okay so you see that brushed area so i brushed that center area of the weld yeah you know, and so the outside edge of the aluminum, I mean, it's shiny. So this is this is what the aluminum looks like without, and it looks clean. You know, I could weld right over that, but that that nice shiny area is is an oxide layer. That oxide layer melts at 3,700 degrees, but the aluminum underneath it only melts at 1,200. So that oxide layer also contaminates the weld. Now the welding machine does have the capability of blowing that off but it's always a best practice to brush it too. Brush it first and, and mechanically remove it. Now on steel, same thing goes with steel. You know, this piece of steel, it's clean. You know, I wipe everything off. I take some acetone and, you know, wipe, wipe all the dirt off of it, you know, but that piece that I welded on earlier, eh, let me see here, this is kind of hard to see. So do you see that top part here where I ground off that? Yes, yes. So now that steel, it does have a little bit of mill scale on it when it's when it's made, you know, and that mill scale, there you go, now I can see it. That mill scale will also cause some impurities and not as good of a weld. But when you just take, now this is done with a little Scotch-Brite pad. You know, I just took a Scotch-Brite brad and I cleaned off that mill scale. And that'll give you a much better, especially with TIG, it'll give you a much better TIG weld. Now, when I'm doing chrome molly, if I'm doing chrome molly or anything like that, I'll, I'll take that and I will grind that off. Or I, it's not even grinding. I take a belt sander and I'll grind right at the weld joint where I'm going to weld. I don't grind my whole tube. Um, you know, that's great. If you can afford ground tubing <laughs> you know when you're purchasing it that's awesome ground tubing welds a lot nicer than 
the original stock. But uh, I just take my Chromoly and uh, I just run my uh, belt sander. I also have a portable belt sander that I'll use and I'll just run around that weld joint. And again, take some acetone and clean it off. And that makes the weld look much, much better. So if you're TIG welding, especially Chromoly now, even steel, and you find that your weld puddle doesn't look shiny, it looks dull, you know, and in the worst case scenario, it kind of even looks a little sooty it's probably because you're not removing that surface contamination. Okay, very good. And then we have a question uh, from a welding teacher, a high school welding teacher. Again, what was the name of that welder that, that you're uh, talking to us about? Yeah, Multimatic 220 ACDC. Okay, yeah, Multimatic 220. Yeah, in fact, I can, uh, let, me, let me go back to the face plate of the machine. So I don't know if you can see that or not, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, we see good. But very operator friendly. Um, again, especially for students, I love it for students because of the auto set feature. Um, for students, for me, this, the key is working on technique because if they don't understand setting the machine, they can never start working on technique. You know, and the auto set feature puts them right in that window again, that's good to start welding and they can start working on technique. They tend not to get as, you know, as, as frustrated if they can start working on technique and they can see their, you know, their problems while they're welding. You know, it, it, it jumps their learning curve way up. You know, and the neat thing about this auto set is you can still see those parameters. You can see the volts and the wire feed speed, or you can see the amps. So you're you're unconsciously learning what range it would be in any way for that material thickness. Another question we have, instead of acetone, is it okay to use 91% isopropyl alcohol for final cleaning? It's easier on the skin. What do you think about yeah. that? Yeah, it is. It is easier on the skin. Denatured alcohol is also good. Um, anything, definitely, definitely don't use brake cleaner, especially chlorinated. Um, if you are going to use a brake cleaner, use like a, a non-chlorinated brake cleaner. Uh, any of those things that evaporate real fast, sometimes, and you can even see it sometimes, right? If you're going to use a cleaner that evaporates fast but does leave a little residue, you know, anything that leaves a residue is going to be is going to be bad. But uh, but uh, there are some brake cleaners. There was a um, a Loctite brand of of cleaner that I used for years, and the majority of it was uh, acetone and some other uh, ingredient. But it was extremely clean as it evaporated. But um, but yeah, the alcohol is fine too. Okay. Yeah. To me, I've seen a lot of people just the kind of, they, they do learn how to weld, but, uh, you know, I always wonder how competent, truly competent they are at welding when it comes to racing applications, because you can put a weld together at, I guess you're building a car and call it a day, but it's one thing if the car is just behaving normal and having a great day on the track and everything's wonderful, but then if there is a crash, then all of a sudden there's this enormous skyrocketing pressure on the weld. So uh, how, how do you encourage people who feel like they learn how to weld to truly become competent? Yeah, that's an awesome question. And so that that presents another issue too is, is crashes. So a lot of people do some destructive testing on their weld. So they'll take their tube, they might, you know, practice tube and they'll they'll weld it in a, either a T configuration or they could butt weld it and they'll try and bend it, put it in a vise and they'll they'll do their own destructive testing. But you brought up an excellent point on about crashes. So what a crash does depending upon how fast it is, it's called uh, the shock impact. So you have a shock impact, you know, and in the best way that I describe my beginner guys are, um, you remember like Silly Putty? Everybody knows Silly Putty. Yes. If you, you can pull it and stretch it, right? You can make different shapes out of it. You can bend it, you know, and it stays together. But if you take Silly Putty and just give it a quick jerk, it immediately breaks. 
And that is that shock impact. And the same thing would happen on a weld joint if you don't have it welded properly. That shock impact doesn't give the weld time to go through what's called elongation. So the elongation percentage is the percentage that the weld stretches before it fails or before the tube fails, right? So that's another example of picking the right filler metal for the right application. Um, I see a lot of people will weld chromoly with a blended stainless filler rod. Well, that filler rod has a tensile strength. It's, it's over 120K, but the chromoly is much less than that. So again, you're welding that material with a filler metal that's too hard. It won't have enough stretch. So it will tend to crack. And even during vibratory stresses and high harmonics that race cars go through, they'll start experiencing stress fractures. So that's all those are very excellent points. And that's why when I talk to people who are building race cars, I need to know what base metal they're using for the tubing. And that's going to tell me what filler metal I should recommend. You know, and they need to take those steps. Um, I would recommend if you don't know, because there are lots of filler metal recommendations, get a hold of a welding supplier or dealer or a filler metal manufacturer, because the filler metal manufacturer will actually have recommendations for different applications. Okay. And then, you know, again, I, I see another equipment all the time in race shops. If someone has a welder that's 10 years old, it's over there in the corner of the race shop and they use it kind of regularly or, or occasionally, it just seems to be working fine. But does a welder really need to review what's new? Like has welding equipment changed or you want to talk about that in the last 10 years or five years? What should they do about keeping current? And what's the benefit of keeping current? Yeah, I'd say the, the, the biggest benefit lately has been the transition from the older transformer power sources, transformer, rectifier, stabilizer coils. The, they're big, they're heavy. Um, even most of the Miller-Matic machines, you know, all back in the day up until recently have been all this style machine. So one thing you'll you'll want to do too, especially if your machine is sitting a while, is just go through a little maintenance with it, right? Check those wires, make sure they're they're tight. Make sure the wire inside the machine isn't starting to rust or corrode because that's going to create a bad weld. So outside of that, the major thing that we'll see is the inverter power sources are much more lightweight and they draw a lot less power from the wall. So um, in some cases, half the power. So especially on TIG machines, uh, a Synchrowave 250 back in the day or today, we still make it, you know, it pulls over 100 amps from the wall when you're running it at rated load. Well, a dynasty of the same configuration will pull half of that power. So now you can pretty much plug a welding machine into any welding or any power supply in your shop instead of having a dedicated 100 amp supply to your welding machine. So that's the first thing is the payoff, right? Do you want to pay that much in your power bills, especially if you're using the machine a lot? You know, the second thing is portability and lightweight. So the machine is a lot more portable. It's smaller in size, takes up less of a footprint. The third thing I think about the newer machines is that the old machines it made DC out of the wall, like welding power typically is DC, direct current. You're supplying the welder AC, alternating current. That alternating current comes out of the wall at 60 hertz. By the time you rectify it and turn it into DC, it basically has a response time of about 120 times per second. But our inverter power sources, they make DC 40 to 60,000 times a second. And now the microprocessor, which controls that, can monitor the welding arc way faster. And it knows, it knows what you're going to do before you even do it. That's how fast it is. So keep in mind, back in the day, if you pull the trigger on your MIG machine, the wire comes down and hits it, and then it starts popping, pop, 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 and it starts welding. Well, the newer machines, because that machine responds so quick, we can control every aspect of that welding arc now because we're talking, you know, again, 60,000 times a second. So we can monitor what's going on there. So the welding machine's characteristics are much, much better now than they were 10 years ago. 
we're kind of getting to the 50 minute mark and uh yeah you i want to say that uh, miller electric is a presenting sponsor of online race industry week so as you're having a good experience at Online Race Industry Week, Andy gets some of the credit here. If you see him out there in the race pits and everything, say thank you, Andy, for Online Race Industry Week. Uh, and thank, thank you personally for uh, sponsoring Online Race Industry Week. Uh, any final thoughts, Andy? Uh, this is a, such, such a fun industry. It's fun, it's innovative. Um, I, now I'm, I am not an artistic person, but when you get into the racing industry, these are some creative people. You know, and and that's I thrive around that. I love those types of people, and and so I think it's just a fun industry. And uh, and every time, and I'm I'm still learning today. Every time I go out, I learn something. So yeah, no, I appreciate the industry. And and, uh, and again, if there's anything that we can do to help, you can reach us online at MillerWelds.com. We have weld forums, we have technical videos. Uh, I do a lot of the technical videos. If you're into more of the advanced TIG welding, I do a lot of those too. Check out our YouTube channel, uh, Miller Welders. Okay, well, thank you, Andy, uh, very much. It was really an informative 50 minutes and it went by so fast. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, and then we'll get rolling on to the next event, Francisque. Well, yeah, thank you, Andy. It felt like we were in the shop with you, you know? Uh, <laughs> So you never did it on Zoom, then you should do it again, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. That was awesome. That was awesome. It's getting, you know, we, we have had so many new first uh, experience this week. So thank you for being with us. Registering on ePARTRADE is easy. Fill out your name, email, phone number, and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database, which you can select from the drop-down. Then, enter your job title. Choose Claim Company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose Join Company if they'd like to use ePARTRADE as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePARTRADE.